Thank you, Danny. Well, I want to say good morning to you again, and also uh, kind of to hit once more something that Angela mentioned. You know, we're, we're in this kind of post-pandemic, I guess is what we would call it, phase right now. And there's things that we used to take for granted that we just did without thinking, like a nursery on Sunday mornings. And we actually do have a lot of newborns in our congregation over the last few months. And, and uh, you know, usually newborns stay with moms until they reach, I don't know, Angela has a magic number, nine months, a year, or somewhere in there, and then they move on to nursery. And so we are fast, we're already in need of that, uh, the, it, the need is already, are only going to increase, uh, but we haven't done it for so long. Uh, some of our volunteers have moved or gone to college, and so we need to start this ministry up again. It's an essential function of our church. So if you... Uh, you know, and, and you always are a little sensitive doing all calls in front of church for things like nursery, because, you know, we are desperate, yes, but, you know, there are some skills and a heart, you know, not all of us should be doing nursery service, okay? So if you step forward and you say, yes, I want to serve in the nursery, don't be surprised if you get, like, the once-over from Angela, all right? You're, you're, this is a, there's a high bar here, as there should be. And so that's definitely, uh, we'll just kind of keep hitting this. It's, it's what we want to start up again for the little ones in our midst. Well, today we're going to wrap up our series called The Kingdom Is, and this is something that we've been kind of plowing through over the last few weeks. And we've worked through why it matters. We've worked through how, how its values seem upside down to us, but right side up to God, uh, right side up to God. Uh, we've worked through why it's good news and how it's on the move through us. And it's my goal to help us see and live into something that most people who follow Jesus don't fully comprehend. We just don't grasp it. We treat the kingdom like a destination, like we're going to get there someday, which is partially true. But last week, you know, I compared it to like, it's like going on vacation to Hawaii and spending, you know, a week in the airport. There's, it's like the kingdom is so much bigger and more expansive and more beautiful than just arriving at this particular spot. But as Christians, we so often kind of miss that point. We underestimate how significant the kingdom is to Jesus. He's the one who's bringing it into reality. Yes, he's the Messiah, right? Jesus is the Christ, the anointed one, the king. But he talked about God's kingdom a lot because it's central to who he is. It's central to his mission. So this can be a challenge to describe. Our working definition has been the kingdom is God's reign. Is God's reign. The kingdom is God's reign through God's people over his place. And when we decide to live under God's reign, um, when we allow him to reign in our life, we become citizens of heaven. We become citizens under the rule of King Jesus. And life in his kingdom changes everything for us. Our identity, our relationships, our purpose, our work. And this is usually the point where people kind of hesitate and go, yeah, that's kind of a lot to ask, Jesus. I'm not so sure I'm going to give you all of that. And that's, that's legitimate. But it's also the reason why most Christians never leave the airport, so to speak. You know, we've learned enough to be dangerous, but information isn't transformation. God wants nothing less. Jesus wants nothing less than to totally transform your life. Jesus wants nothing less 
than total metamorphosis of you and of me. We can let him do that. All it takes is to intentionally live into the kingdom. So making this kingdom, the kingdom of God, a priority, seeking it first, it doesn't minimize all the stuff in our life. You know, the the C.S. Lewis quote is classic. I shared it a couple weeks ago. It puts it all in perspective. When first things are put first, second things are not suppressed, but increased. This is what happens in the kingdom of God. So the kingdom is God's reign through us. We could say in us and through us. And it's expressed through his people. It's our character, yes, it's our values, but it's also how we treat one another. It's how we value relationships. It's what we pursue in our lives, you know, what consumes our time, what consumes our money, how we spend all of that stuff. It's also the issues that we support. And maybe more or as important as the issues we support, it's how we support them. That's living into the kingdom. That's life in the kingdom of heaven and and how others see and view the kingdom. So today we want to discover what it might, you know, we've kind of been focused on God's reigning through us, uh, but today we want to discover what it looks like in this place. Like, where does all of this happen? Where does the kingdom of God exist? And Jesus used so many different parables, so many different teachings and comments to describe the kingdom of God. And he was often fielding questions about it, especially as it related to his role. Like people wanted to know, like, are you the Messiah? Say yes or no. And frustratingly so, Jesus kind of never answered that question head on because that is a Jesus thing to do. Um, But he also knew that they were envisioning the kingdom of Israel, version 2.0. But Jesus was preaching about the kingdom of God. Huge difference. So, Naturally, the Pharisees of Jesus' day wanted details, like, Jesus, when is all this going to happen, this whole kingdom thing that you keep talking about? And it's not like they were really interested. They just wanted to see if he knew the right answer, because there was a right answer in their mind. You know, some of us that have been in church or around church or Christians for a while, we, we, we play this game too. You know, we know that there's certain topics, there's certain things that come up that there is a right answer to, even though we're not necessarily interested in the answer. It's kind of like the difference between being dogmatic and having conviction. God has never asked us to be dogmatic. We do, however, need to have conviction. Uh, Danny's dad, his memorial service, that was a few months ago, one of the, one of the things that Danny and his brothers shared was his dad constantly hitting on him because his dad survived um, Nazi-occupied Poland and Russia and as a kid before he escaped and came to Canada and the United States. So this carried special meaning for him. It's like, know what you believe and why you believe it. Know what you believe and why you believe it. That's huge for us. But God never asks us to be dogmatic. We can't have conviction. Conviction isn't inflexible. Being dogmatic is rigid. You know, having conviction is resilient. Being dogmatic, not so much. And being dogmatic closes you off to how God may be at work in the world because you refuse to see it. 
And many of the Pharisees of Jesus' day, they were dogmatic. They refused to see, even as Jesus healed the sick, cast out demons, raised people from the dead, he just didn't look kingly enough for them. Are you the Messiah? What were they looking for? So in Luke chapter 17, we encounter the Pharisees questioning Jesus about the kingdom of God. They had, um, you know, they knew what it was, where it would be, who would bring it, and when it would arrive. They just wanted to make sure Jesus did too. And so here we are. Let's read Luke 17, verse 20 through 25. Once on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, the kingdom Uh, The coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed. Nor will people say, here it is or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. Then he said to his disciples, the time is coming when you will long uh, long to see one of the days of the Son of Man, but you will not see it. People will tell you, there he is, or here he is. Do not go running off after them. For the Son of Man in his day will be like the lightning, which flashes and lights up the sky from one end to the other. But first, he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. So here's what I want to know. A, how well does Pastor Dan read out loud, right? (laughs) Here it is, there it is. Um, What question did Jesus answer? They asked him, When is this happening? Or, you know, when is it coming? But Jesus answered where it's located, didn't he? I mean, when is the coming of the kingdom of God? But Jesus says, it's within you. That's kind of like, or it's in your midst. So the ending of that sentence, you know, here it is, there it is. The kingdom of God is in your midst. The end of that, it's like one of these Greek phrases that causes a conundrum for translators because it has this range of meaning. It can be within you. Oh, the kingdom of God is within you. You could also legitimately say the kingdom of God is inside of you. You could legitimately say the kingdom of God is among you. And older English Bible translations almost always said the kingdom of God is within you. But more recent translations choose the among you or in in your midst version. So which is it? Does it matter? Is this just one of those dogmatic conversations or is there something of conviction worth studying here? Well, yes, it matters. You know, even Hollywood in in films, I've seen this, this phrase brought up in films. You know, they kind of play with the nuance of, you know, the kingdom of God is within you. And it's always reflected in this uber-individualized uh, sense that we all kind of, this, this culture that we live in, that it's all about me, myself, and I. The kingdom of God is within you. And it's focused on every person's, you know, experience that Jesus said the kingdom of God is inside But Jesus, not to mention the Pharisees that he's talking to, would have had no concept for individualized faith like we have. My faith, my God, my beliefs, my Jesus. In fact, the teachings of the kingdom of God that Jesus shares are are almost all aimed against this kind of understanding. 
You know, you can have a personal relationship with God because God is personal. That means he cares about our individual concerns and issues, not that he's there to serve our needs on call. You see the difference? God is personal. We can know him. He cares about us. But he's not my personal God. He's not the genie, so to speak, in the bottle. And so as Jesus answers this question, it's classic Jesus. He's kind of confronting assumptions. And he answers very elusively. He answers the when question by saying where, which implies that it's already here. And the part about the kingdom not being something or the coming of the kingdom not being something you can observe You know, he's not saying that you can't see God in action. He's saying, don't break out your secret decoder wheel, okay? There's no formula here that you do this and you do this and you do this and pow, here's the kingdom of God. So this should resonate with us too, especially as we think about our preconceived notions about God and Jesus and his kingdom. You know, we sit in between Jesus' first arrival when he was born 2,000 years ago, and we're waiting for him to return. And we'd really like to know when Jesus is going to come back. We're so interested in that that we almost spend more time trying to decipher the signs than than we do actually living in his kingdom. There's more energy going towards, you know, figuring all that out when the second coming is coming and less at, like, Hey, what has God called or asked to do right here, right now? So by answering the when question with where, Jesus reinforces what we've been trying to see in God's kingdom, that it's his reign through his people over where? Over his place. His place is right here, right now. It's in our midst So the whole idea of place, the significance of place, uh, is often lost on us. Sometimes I wonder if it's because we move so much as Americans, people in the United States. And this study has been, this has been out there for a while because it's based on actually the last census data, the current data they haven't crunched yet. But they surmise, researchers surmise that, you know, the the people in the United States move on an average in their lifetime, like almost 12 times, which I know if you've only moved twice in your life, you're like, well, that's ridiculous. I was at a housewarming um, for one of my neighbors just like a week ago, and this topic came up, and it's like, how many times have you moved in your lifetime? And, um, our, our neighbor was like, oh man, I was in the military, I, you know, I did this, I did that. And he's like, oh, maybe 30 times. And I, I laughed. I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm probably north of 11 or 12, but my parents, you know, like, I don't even know that they moved maybe once in their whole entire life. But in the United States, it's the 12 number. In Europe, it's like four. Okay, so different parts of the world it's a totally different experience of like, hey, where do you call home? Where's your place? And uh, the difference for us is, hey, maybe we're a, we're, maybe people in the United States, we're just a very mobile people. Or is it that we just haven't found our place? When we say that the kingdom of God's, God is God's reign through God's people over God's place, it's more than just a catchy slogan. See, it was God's vision 
to bring about his reign through his people who've been redeemed and reconciled over all of his creation. I mean, it's been that way since the beginning. Look at Genesis 1, verses 27 and 28. So God created mankind or humankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And he blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over all the fish in the sea and the birds of the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. So the idea of ruling is kingdom-like, isn't it? But whose kingdom is it? Is it our kingdom or God's? You know, it's human nature to make it my kingdom. It's human nature for us to kind of want to replace God with me, myself, and I. That's the source of our sin and always will be the source of our sin. But this vision, this idea that God had to reign through us over his creation hasn't changed. It just required a little different route. So here we are. Um, you know, this last week uh, was Ascension Day. It's 40 days after Easter when Christians kind of celebrate Jesus being taken to heaven. And when that happened, he left his disciples with this charge, with this commission. This is Matthew 28. All authority in heaven and on earth have been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Doesn't that sound kind of familiar? It's the same vision that God has always had to reign over his creation through his people. In this case, now through his redeemed and reconciled people. And so clearly, place matters. This place matters. It's the places where we go, the homes where we reside, the workplaces where we work, the parks that we play in, the communities where we live. God has chosen to have his reign expressed through us in this place. So one of the things that I do almost every night before I fall asleep is that I pray through a set of evening prayers called Compline. And this didn't become a thing for me until about five years ago. It was after my sister passed away. Uh, and, I, and I started, actually, it was, it was before my sister passed away. Uh, it was at the point in her journey with cancer that I realized she wasn't going to get better. And that was the point when I realized, like, I have no idea how to pray. How do I, how do I pray for that? I don't have the words. And so I discovered written prayers at that point in my life. I needed written prayers because I didn't have the words anymore. And so each night I read through Compline. There's a structure to it. Uh, there's things that get repeated every day. There's ele elements that are, are changing. You know, I've been doing it for so long now that I have all of the repeated structures memorized. And so all I need is the, what psalm are we doing? And, you know, what devotional reading? And, and it's just become this rhythm for me that's been really, really important, especially right before I fall asleep. It helps me change that mental channel 
to God's thoughts instead of just worrying about my own. And so each night I read through Compline, and it kind of leads up to reciting the Lord's Prayer. And I've really learned that I need to pray that prayer. You know, there's two kind of halves to it. The first orients us to our Heavenly Father. The other one kind of orients us to our world. But that first part I find significant, where you pray, Abba, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There were other junctures of my life where that piece was a speed bump. You know, you just go right on to the, and give me my daily bread, and forgive me my sins. I don't need to forgive people who've sinned against me. You know, we kind of have these things that we latch onto. I'm kidding about that part, okay? <laughs> we do need to, and we have to ask God. That's a God thing. That's a sacred thing. I'm, I don't do so well with forgiving others. God, help me to forgive others. So that first part is kind of a speed bump. Until lately, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is about heaven breaking into earth, about us asking God to do it already. And God telling us, I am doing it. And I'm using you. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I want you to imagine what it would be like for heaven to break into earth. Pause for just a moment and consider what Jesus asks us to pray. Your kingdom our Heavenly Father's kingdom, His empire, arrive. Your reign, God, be present. And now imagine what this place would be like if it happened. What would your life be like? What would your family be like? Your friendships look like? Our church be like? Our, our workplaces, our neighborhoods, our town, our county, our state, our nation, our continent, our world, what would it be like if heaven broke into earth? If God's kingdom vision and values suddenly became real and apparent to everyone? What would it be like? What if we continued to pray dangerously, your kingdom come, God, and we lived like we actually believed it, like God would answer that prayer? And someone either is getting a text or we have some kind of emergency. Amber Alert, there we go. I know, it's crazy. It's crazy, but it's also a time to pray. Would you join me for prayer? Lord, we lift up that alert right now, and uh, we pray that you would intervene, that you would help find that person or find that situation, that you would be present, Lord that they would be safe. We ask this in your name. Amen. So what if we prayed and we actually believed God would answer our prayer? What if we did that? What if we lived that way? It's God's kingdom that we're building, not our kingdom. You know, what if we... What if we prayed for nothing less than a radical reorientation of our own lives, from wanting God to bless my plan 
from wanting people to follow our agenda, from wanting others to know my name, to allowing the king to reign in my life where I submit to God's plans, I start to pursue God's agenda, where I start to glorify God's name. That's what it means to seek his kingdom first. You know, I want to close by reading Luke 17, verses 20 through 21 again. We'll put it up on the screen for you. And the Pharisee, it says, once on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed. Nor will people say, here it is, or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. Where is it? It's right here. It's the church. You know, if we make our faith all about me, myself, and I, then you can worship God at home. You can worship anywhere. Why would you need a church? But where else would you catch a glimpse of life under God's reign? Because the church is the community of our king, King Jesus. We need one another. We need these times to just... I mean, it's, it's the moments that we've all experienced this last week, or even maybe at this second, the blah of what's happening. We can't continue to isolate ourselves. We need one another. We need God to reign in our life, but we also need the light of Jesus living in and through the others where God reigns. And when we gather on Sunday morning, we worship God together. But it's also this gathered community where Jesus reigns, where the kingdom is alive and present. It's in our midst. You and I are called, invited, sent by Jesus on a mission to build the kingdom. And we build it every time we forgive a person who really hurts us. We build it when we respond with humility and grace in an argument. We build it when we don't respond with humility and grace in an argument and we say we're sorry later. We build the kingdom when we advocate on behalf of the poor. We build the kingdom when we're willing to stand with people who suffer injustice. We build this, the kingdom when we seek to do the right thing, not to grab moral high ground, but because that's what King Jesus would do. We build the kingdom every time we share hospitality and show generosity to those around us. We build the kingdom when we worship together in unity. And those aren't things that we natively do. They're an outflow of the grace we've received from King Jesus. The kingdom is in our midst. Amen? Please join me in prayer. Lord, the whole of our life can be just one big, giant distraction. We have ups, we have downs, we have intense times of um, intense times where we're super busy, and sometimes it's busy with the right things, and other times we're just staying preoccupied with whatever. Help us to focus on the things that really matter. 
Help us to hear your voice, Lord, to do what you ask us to do or to know what to do with that. Lord, help us. Help us to encourage and stand with and support one another as we all experience our times of trauma and pain, as we experience times to celebrate and have joy. Lord, help us to be present with you, with one another. Help us to step aside and allow you to reign in us and through us, Lord, and to make that real in this place. We ask this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray.